everyone. I'm your host, Liana Pavane, founder of TTYL, human connection advocate, certified life coach, and most importantly, a human that's just trying to figure it out. I'm your unapologetic 20-something native New Yorker, advocating selfships. Yes, I'm in a relationship with myself while navigating the dating world. I'm on a mission to break down dating stigmas in our society and to stop ghosting. I started this podcast after my ex broke up with me over the phone. I know, at least it wasn't a post-it. And I realized that our dating etiquette was severely lacking due to technology. Each week, I invite guests onto the podcast from all walks of life to discuss their first date horror stories and best dates. Because let's be honest, we don't focus on the positives enough when it comes to dating. The best part about this podcast is that after each episode, I've walked away feeling more confident about myself and my relationships. So whether or not you're single, in a relationship, or find yourself in a situationship, I welcome you to get comfy as I dive into the uncomfy so we can normalize it together. Jitters, on your first date, not in your coffee. I am so excited to partner with Jibby Coffee a lifestyle and wellness brand that crafts functional coffee for the balance-seeking consumer. They crafted a CBD-infused Colombian cold brew to help people focus throughout the day without the jitters or crash. Dairy-free, gluten-free, vegan, no added sugar, and no compromises. Made in the U.S. and 100% recyclable. In addition to the fact that this coffee is focus and clarity boosting, 1% of every Jibby order goes to a high-impact nonprofit at no added cost to you. You can even track your impact directly through their partners, Charity Water, Food for Farmers, and Cannabis for Conservation. Use code GHOST15 for 15% off. That's GHOST15 for 15% off on both subscription and one-time purchases. Available at jibbycoffee.com for free shipping nationwide. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Ghosts of Dates Past. I'm super excited about today's episode. I'm here with Sarah Yudkin, is a trauma-informed relationship anxiety coach whose mission is to help women feel more confident in their relationships and normalize the not-so-glamorous parts of relationships that often lead to anxiety. She is passionate about sharing her experiences with relationship anxiety and helping change the one-size-fits-all cultural narrative around love and relationships that contributes to doubt and anxiety. Thank you so much for being here, Sarah. Thank you for having me. It's great to chat again. Yeah, Sarah and I chatted when I was first starting this idea of the podcast. I was doing these IGTV lives on Instagram on my personal account, and Sarah was one of my first guests, and that was, I guess, maybe a year ago. It must have been a year ago. Yeah. That's crazy. It's been a while, definitely. Wow, I cannot believe that. It time really flew. But yeah, I've just been watching you expand your amazing business. It's been so awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's been it has been crazy just to start talking about these things and realize a lot of people are on the same page. So it's always cool when you know that you're not alone and what you're going through. Definitely. That's the best feeling. So let's dive in. Tell me the first day horror story. Oh, man. So my first date horror story, I don't have too many of these. Luckily, I've been more of like a serial like long term relationship person. But one of my 
first date horror stories was like the only time I ever went on a blind date and a former not former friend but like just someone I don't really keep in contact with that much anymore was like you have to meet this person you're gonna be so in sync and like they're so great and when I met this person it was like we could have not had like less of an interesting like conversation like there was no chemistry which I don't even love that word but like I just didn't feel connected to this person at all I was not excited they were definitely not like keeping the conversation going and I felt like we both just felt really uncomfortable about it and then it was one of those dates where they're like all right so you want to split it 50 50 and I was like okay yep (laughs) like we're going there not that I care too much about that stuff but he just definitely seemed very checked out of like not trying to treat you know, me or anything like that to the date. And he was just like, yeah, like, I think we both know we're just kind of going to split this and never see each other again. So that's my horror first date story. Mm, Yeah, I feel like blind dates can definitely be a hit or miss. I don't think I've ever actually been set up on a blind date. But I've definitely I mean, I feel like any date you go on over a dating app is technically a blind date, which is why the FaceTime concept is so important beforehand. If You want to feel comfortable knowing you've met the person before, just face-to-face or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough to assess, you know, who someone is through through a profile. So kind of a blind. Absolutely. And it's totally not even about like necessarily – like I think the blind part, and I'd be curious actually. We don't have to derail it, but I'd be curious to hear if you watch Love is Blind and like what your thoughts are on all of that. But I think it's interesting because it's definitely not about the looks, but it's just about like is this person actually like coming across in the energy that they say on their profile? I would say that's probably challenging. Like I haven't been on a dating app in a while for myself, but I think like it would probably be challenging because like you get this sense of what someone is like, but then it's like, is that actually translating? You know, for me, it would be probably be less about the appearance. I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. Yeah. I mean, I, it's interesting because so I haven't seen the whole thing. I've only seen, I don't know, probably a little more than half, like maybe like two thirds of the season. I didn't know they're coming out with another one soon. I personally, I know everyone thinks she's crazy. Jessica, I believe her name is, the blonde one, right? Yep, that's her name. Right? Yeah. So I personally actually relate to her the most, not in terms of, I know everyone thinks she's crazy and like they think a lot of the people on that show are crazy. I mean, it is a crazy experiment to begin with, but I just... I think you can form a really beautiful connection with someone and then when you see them in person or physically, it completely shifts because to me, physical is so important and I've tried to not, not that, not, eh, that's like a weird way of saying it. Not that I've like tried to overlook that, but like I keep an open mind and I've dated people, maybe less my normal attraction just different than what I usually go for. Not that I have a type, but I definitely have a specific arena of people that I usually gravitate towards physical look wise. And that's just like what I enjoy. Like I've just discovered that about myself and I'm open-minded. Like I meet all different types of people and like definitely believe that an emotional connection is super important. But if the physical isn't there for me, like it's just not going to work. Totally. Yeah, I totally get that. I I think it's I think it's definitely a factor. But I think that I think one thing about her and again, we don't have to derail from this. But I think I think like with her, it was also like the ages like in that separation. 
of them definitely felt like not compatible, which we will get to, I'm sure. And as we talk in our conversation about like making sure you feel really compatible with the person. So definitely lots of nuance there. Totally. Yes, for sure. So yeah, let's talk about relationship anxiety for anyone who doesn't know what it is. Can you just do a brief explanation of that? Totally. So relationship anxiety is when you're having doubts about a healthy and otherwise happy relationship, but kind of having doubts such as, how do I know this person is the one? Or am I settling? Do I love them enough? And I think if you have relationship anxiety, that can also come out in first dates or, you know, like as you're actually starting to date around, you might have a lot of core fears about relationships that kind of show up in the way that you are dating and and pursuing relationships. So I think that it can not only be present in early stages, but also as you're in a longer term relationship and going through some bigger life transitions and, you know, moving in together or getting engaged and things can come up and and just spark some of the core fears that we all have about love and relationships. Mm, Yeah, I think that's so real. And I think, you know, I definitely have anxiety. It shows up in different times in my life. And like, I was even going to bed last night and I was just great. Like I'm going to bed earlier than I usually do. I'm trying to get on a different schedule. And like I did all these things last night, just felt like really productive. And then second my head hits the pillow, it's like, oh no, here we go. Replaying things or like just anxiety induced dreams. And I'm like, where is this coming from? Like why, why I feel secure and I feel grounded and yet I still have these thoughts. It's like, it's crazy. And we don't talk about it either. Totally. And I think, you know, sleep anxiety is a whole other ball game. And like the fact that you're then worried about not getting sleep can like make the whole process worse. So I think it's actually kind of an interesting concept. You can compare that to how we think about relationships. And if you're anxious about being anxious, kind of like you're, you know, anxious about not being able to sleep. It's like, there's an event or a thing, but then the meaning or the story that we add on to it is usually what causes the anxiety. And that's very true in relationships. So getting engaged is not necessarily inherently scary, but if you're tying getting engaged with like, oh my gosh, I'm making the one choice of my life that's the most important and I can't mess this up. Or, you know, if you're saying, wow, like I am normally not good at making decisions. And so like, how am I supposed to know if this is the right decision? And like, you're just constantly playing, you know, these beliefs back and forth in your head. It's really going to be difficult to feel excited about something when there's like this whole meaning added onto it. Mm, That's such a good point. Yeah, I think we almost, what's the word? Like we intermingle these feelings oftentimes or like we think it's one thing, but it's really another thing, which is why it's so important to spend time with yourself and really understand what's going on internally before we get our head hits the pillow and that all starts happening it's like okay what can I do throughout the day to help this process and and feel more grounded so that I can get a good night's sleep and a restful sleep (laughs) or you know whatever's going on in your head but I also think anxiety can show you know specifically we talked about relationship anxiety but for me I know that I definitely feel anxious in the beginning stages of a relationship. So what's the cause of that anxiety in the beginning of a relationship? Even when you're going on first dates, like how does this show up for people maybe physically or mentally? And then how can we, yeah, how could we like calm these nerves and that voice in our heads? Yeah. So as far as, you know, when we're kind of going into a new situation, I think that 
at the beginning, it's kind of what I was just saying is like, what meaning are you tying to things? So, and also what is your intention going into this? So are you going into a date worried about them liking you or you liking them? Are you going into this date thinking about the future with this person? Or are you going into this date thinking, how do I feel about them right now in this moment? Those are two things that I think off the top of my head when I was thinking about this can really cause a lot of anxiety in the dating phase because if you are focused on them liking you then you're kind of just doing all these things to make sure that you're showing up in this way that someone else likes and whether someone likes you is really not in your control it's kind of just their opinion and then the second part of it is if you're looking too far ahead in the future based on like what you're seeing in this moment it can be really easy to be like well this one quality about this person may not be perfect for our life together, or this one thing is really great about this person. So now I'm like really hoping that it works. And you're kind of just taking like the current and making it into this huge big deal. Yeah, I definitely relate to that. I think this goes along with the whole idea of fantasizing about the person and, oh my gosh, this one great thing happened. Or even if you go on a really good first date or you maybe end up spending a day together or go home with them or something like that's also a form of attachment and then we all kind of builds up to to making this person seem like amazing like oh my gosh I need to spend more time with them we like had this amazing connection without thinking about the person holistically I think you're so right like we oftentimes will attribute one thing about that person and hold on to that one thing and say, oh my gosh, well, I can't, this person can't leave my life. And like, I'm, we're nervous that they're going to leave my life because we had this amazing night together. And like, that was so magical. Like, I just want that all the time. And I feel like that's, that often spirals. And I, I've definitely been guilty of that for sure. Totally. And I think there's people on all ends of the spectrum, some people that when they do really start liking someone, they're like, Oh, no, this is bad. Like, let me pull away. And then some people when they start liking someone more, they're like, Ooh, let me really hold on to this. So there's no, of course, like one right or wrong way to approach it. But I think like, when we get stuck reflecting on our past or looking to ahead into the future, like that's when we're in trouble. Like that's the case for long term relationships too. like if you're constantly worrying about what's going to happen in the future or constantly like looking back on things that have happened in the past you're not focused on what's actually going on now and then you're you're not actually assessing what's kind of real and true in that moment it's it's just all this like illusion of things that have already happened or what could happen and so i think you know and also in long term relationships like focusing on if you are feeling a certain way is more important than on how another person feels because you can never control someone else's feelings. It's always really you and you alone that you can control or regulate. So that's like a big piece of general relationships is making sure you have your emotional regulation down and not relying on someone else to do it for you. Yeah, so true. So what are some steps one can take to really check in with their emotions on a daily basis and just make sure that they feel calm and, and relaxed in in times of anxiety if that was to arise for them. Totally. Yeah. So some of the easiest things that we can do to emotionally regulate are things that everyone has at their disposal all the time. And that is movement, breath, and our five senses. So movement, you know, going outside for a walk, preferably without your phone, just like really, you know, 
making having some time away from kind of the the triggers of life and just like looking at the trees or looking at people as you walk by and trying not to think about something on that time just like to get some space for yourself that's a big one your breath I mean people say breathing all the time and like some people are like allergic to the word meditation but I think it's it's really one of our best tools you know like we can calm ourselves down with our breath. There's many different techniques. There's like different things that work best for different people. Some of my favorites are just box breath, like inhale for four, hold for four, exhale for four, hold for four, and keep going maybe 10, 15, 20 times till you're feeling a little bit more grounded. Also just sometimes like placing a hand on the chest and on the stomach and like breathing in and out into your body is like a great way to reconnect to yourself. And then lastly, with the five senses, you know, using the five, four, three, two, one technique, five things you can see around you, four things you can touch, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, I believe, and then one thing you can taste. And so it's like just using the things that you have at your disposal, which is like your five senses to remember that you're in this moment, and that you're not in the past or the future. And so you kind of like bring yourself back into your body by using those senses. And then also you remember that like, I'm not in the future with this potential problem that I'm worried about. I'm actually right here in this moment, which is usually safe, unless you're getting chased by something or someone, then you're not safe, but you wouldn't be in your head at that moment, you would just be, you know, running away from the the person that's chasing you. So oftentimes, the anxiety is really kind of like up in our head, and we need to get back down into our body and into the the current moment. I love those. I definitely, I always use movement. That's a huge, it's like the first thing I do when I wake up. I do some form of exercise. It just really helps me, yeah, connect to my body, knowing that I'm going to be sitting for most of the day. So that's also important. But just, yeah, I think it just helps. Like whenever I don't move in the morning, I just feel kind of sluggish, disconnected. So, and then, yeah, walking, I, have been making more of an effort to go on daily walks again and I did that yesterday without my phone and just took my matcha on the go and (laughs) walked into Central Park and just 30 minutes of just okay like I'm gonna go for a brief walk before my next call like step away I think that is a really hard part now especially with work from home like we feel that oftentimes we can't step away or like we don't have time for these things but it is so important because I've just noticed how much it's really distracted me from myself if I don't do these things. And on the five senses, I I love that. We were talking about that a lot in my job is creating kind of a holistic experience or setting up your work environment to have the five senses around you. So whether it be, you know, lighting a candle while you're working and or putting on a diffuser or you know making a mug of tea like all these things that we could like feel and touch around us like putting a fuzzy blanket on us you know winter's coming so we can like cozy up in our apartments and and feel just like really comforted I think yeah all of those things breath has always really helped me feel centered and connected so I love all that yeah and I think the key here and like something I tell my clients and I try to tell as many people as will listen is like, you don't need this crazy long routine to move through moments of anxiety. Like you don't need to 
pull out your journal and like write down 10 things and you don't need to like do a 20 minute guided meditation and then like go do a stretching routine and like all these things like yeah it's great if you do that but in the moments of anxiety if you're out on a date you don't have your journal like you just have your breath and your five senses so like how can you use what you have and even if it feels simple it doesn't mean it's easy it means you have to actually execute on it but I think the easiest ways to do things are the things that are the most simple and like you don't have to do this whole process around it. It's just about you actually taking responsibility in the moments of anxiety instead of turning to social media, spend five minutes getting grounded. And it's, we know what to do sometimes, we just don't do it. And so it's the people I think that do what they know they need to do in those moments that actually like make the changes that they're looking for. Mm, Yeah, totally. We're, we can be, and especially with social media, I think we can be really quick to avoid. The easiest thing is to avoid. And so that's where social media comes in, quote unquote, handy in those situations where, okay, great, I'll just look at some pretty pictures. And then, oh, I'll start to feel a little anxious and comparing myself to these people. But it's fine. I mean, the harder part would be to take some moments of breath and really connect to what the real issue is. So I'm just not going to do that. But in the long run, that is hard. I think one of the things I remember, and I try to go back to this sometimes when I'm in my apartment, if I'm just stretching or something, I love in yoga classes. I remember this yoga studio I used to go to that's closed, but they would always have in Downward Dog, they would say, okay, everyone breathe in and then exhale and literally just (sighs) out as loud as you can. And Whenever I do that two to three times and I'm just stretching it out, it is the most therapeutic thing. And it might feel so weird. I mean, I live alone, so it's fine. (laughs) But it might feel so weird to do something like that. But just it's kind of this the release of exhaling breath of this idea of screaming or just releasing that energy. It's that concept of releasing what no longer serves you. I think that just always really resonated for me. Yeah, 100%. And we don't have, I don't think enough time to like go through all of the details of the podcast, but I'll recommend a podcast that people should listen to if they haven't heard it before. It's with Brene Brown and then Emily and Amelia Nagoski who wrote the book Burnout. And the podcast talks about completing the stress cycle and it's quite literally a game changer. Like it's I'll like give a very high level overview. Basically they say that actually like moving through the stress that we feel is different than just like solving the stress so a lot of people think like oh I got in a disagreement with my partner or like I'm waiting for this person to text me back and then like once the person texts them back or once the conflict is resolved that means suddenly everything's fine but the stress is still in your body and so they give seven different ways to actually like release the stress some of which we just talked about movement breath some of them are like connection laughter like other there's like a cry you know like let out some of those things like release it in some way because I mean, for the last 18 months, we've all had so much collective stress. And like, unless we've been actively like releasing it, it's not necessarily just going away just because we're vaccinated or whatever. And like people are, you know, moving back to normal. It's like, that doesn't mean the stress of this all has left our bodies. So I think it's really important to remember to like actually get the stress out of you in some way. And that's doing those little things we talked about. It's not scrolling for another hour. It's like taking the 15 minutes to really 
you know, reconnect to yourself each day so that you can kind of get rid of some of the stuff, as you said, that's no longer serving you. Yeah, I love that. It's kind of like, you know, when you go through your refrigerator after a long time and there might be something in there that you didn't know was moldy. It's like that kind of concept of just purging and and getting rid of or going through your closet, you know, finding things in there that you're not really vibing with anymore, doing a refresh or restart. It's kind of like going through that kind of motion every day or every other day as often as you need to, to kind of refresh your body and, and you know, let go of the toxins and, and just not with a literal juice cleanse, but like with breath or with laughter or just things that we have at our disposal that we often forget. So I love that idea. So moving more into long-term relationships, how can anxiety show up or relationship anxiety show up in these long-term relationships? And how do you navigate this and then communicate it to your partner that you have these feelings? Yeah. So I would say for a lot of people that I work with and for myself, there's kind of like this fear of the big transition. So like when you're deciding whether or not to get engaged, right. Or, you know, that, that opens up the can of worms of like, I kind of alluded to this earlier, but like, oh my gosh, this is supposedly the biggest decision I'll ever make. Like, how can I make this? And like, how can I know that I'm making the right choice? And it kind of just, again, like opens up that fear of like, well, what if this is wrong? Or how do I know that I will be successful at marriage? And it can open just a lot of past relational trauma or past experiences of your life. Like my parents got divorced. So I'm, you know, extra cautious about that. And so in general, transitions can be really scary. And and another way that this shows up is I think a fear of losing yourself in the relationship. Because once you're like fully committing to someone, at least for me and some of my clients, like you're like, well, what if I lose parts of myself or like compromise too much? And like, how do I know that this is going to be like fulfilling me versus like taking away from me? So there's just a lot of dynamics. And I I think relationships, especially long-term ones, open up some of our biggest insecurities. You're being so vulnerable. You're sharing yourself with somebody and it really is like a container for so much growth. But in order to have that growth, it means going through some challenges and like really taking a look at yourself and how you view the world and how you're showing up and relate that to the way that this other unique person is showing up that is often completely different than you are and grappling with all of those. So Mm, yeah, I definitely think it's so important to always know that no one else is going to make you happy you make yourself happy. I think that's something that I've been thinking about a lot recently. And I've come across it so many times on Instagram and things like that. But it's, it is so true because fulfillment really comes from within. And I felt that, and I can pinpoint so many times in my life, I think this is the first time where I am right now that I feel really fulfilled and really connected to myself and my, my life. Like I'm grateful for what I have and I am fulfilled in my career and my projects and I always have something to do and I'm shifting around friendships, but I'm I'm loving who I'm connecting with and I feel like I can really show up in all areas of my life, but it's taken me so long to feel this way. Like I don't remember a lot of times in my life where I have felt so grounded and connected, but that doesn't mean that I don't feel anxious and those feelings of anxiety don't arise, you know, because I 
obviously, like also as an entrepreneur, like we all put we put pressure on ourselves. We put pressure on ourselves to always be doing something and striving. And I think we oftentimes, especially for anyone who has projects out there or is or is trying to focus on a million things, it can be really hard to remember the importance of focusing on yourself and looking inward because when we don't do that, it's just a constant spiral of trying to keep up. And like you can't work 24-7. You need the the time that you spend with yourself is just as important as the time you spend doing the things you love. And you will be more successful in your career and in your projects if you spend time with yourself. It's all connected. It's cyclical, that idea of work-life balance. It's I don't really believe in it. I think it needs to be incorporated together because especially with COVID, I think so many of us just live and breathe our work just as much as we do everything else in our daily lives. So that can be really important as well. Yeah. And I would argue that everything you just said, like the next layer of that is how are the people in the relationship doing all of those things and then bringing that into the relationship container because what is not necessarily ideal is when you're in a relationship and you're either both so independent that you don't need each other or you're both so codependent that you only are together and like doing things that are for the sake of the relationship. And it ha- it's like so healthy to have a mix of both. So I think when I'm feeling anxious in my relationship, one of the first things I do, which is counterintuitive, is like actually spend time with myself and like reconnect to what I'm excited about in my life because people think like, well, I need to pour more into the relationship. And it's like, sometimes that's part of the problem. Like the relationship has become your only focus. And you need to remember that, as you said, like you are responsible for your fulfillment and your happiness. It's not your partner's job. And if you are expecting it to be your partner's job, that actually leads to a lot of anxiety in your relationship because that's too much for any person to to possibly carry the happiness of themselves and another person. Totally. And I think especially when starting new relationships or new dating experiences, it can be really exciting. And so we want to invite that person into our lives even more. And we want to carve out more time for them and have fun and just the the honeymoon phase and everything like that, which I definitely want to get to as well. But it's also really important to be like, I'm setting boundaries. Like I, I have plans, whether it's plans with yourself, plans with friends, like if they want to join those plans, they can, but you also need to be able to set those boundaries for yourself and like still focus on yourself, still make sure you have time for fulfillment internally because I've definitely been in situations where and with my first relationship, I really lost sight of myself and I felt like I gave too much precious time away from focusing inward and therefore I couldn't even show up 100% to the relationship. And so even recently... I had someone on that I matched with on Bumble and they were interested in meeting up. We were not connecting and whatever. And then this past weekend, he said, oh, we can grab food or drink today if, if you want. And I said, oh, I have some stuff that I need to do today, actually, because I'd already had a day plan. And I knew that the next day I had a bunch of stuff that I was socializing with people. And so I'd already planned my self-shift day. I already had a busy week. I wanted to get my own stuff done. And it was just, I knew that that was super important to me because then if we met up, I would just feel this constant anxiety of like, I really want to be present with this person, 
but I have all these other things on my mind. So I think it's the same thing. Yeah, it's finding that balance of independence, but also coming back together, but not making it so much so that it's codependency. Yep. Yep, I agree. I love that. So let's dive into your first date story, your best first date story. Oh, let's do that. Is it cheesy if I say my best first date was with my current boyfriend? I feel like that would be the truth. (laughs) We just, it was technically not even a first date yet because we didn't know that we were going to meet that night, but we both had been on a party bus to go to a concert and he had actually gotten the last seat on the bus. It was me and my friends and a friend of a friend invited him. And then that was technically like, I'm going to call it our first date, even though we didn't know that it was going to be. And we like hung out that night. And like, that was the first night that we were like, Oh, like this person's really cool. And when he actually like came back to sleep over, but we just laid in bed and talked all night. Like that was all that happened. And so I was like, this guy's really awesome. Like, I really like him. And the next morning he like helped wipe the snow off of my windshield. And I was like, this guy's like really like nice and respectful. And it was just, it was one of those things that I like had a really good feeling about. And luckily five years later, here we are. So that's kind of the best first date I'll say that I had. (laughs) I love that. Also that you took a party bus to a concert. That's so fun. (laughs) I don't remember. I think I've only done a party bus once and it was like for a winery or something in college. But what concert were you going to? Martin Garrix. So we love EDM type music like that. Um, and oh, just, cool. You know, so Same, it was, yeah. yeah, it was like a, just a concert that a lot of my friends wanted to go to. And then, yeah, ended up being, you know, it's one of those nights where it could have just been a girl's night, no big deal. But then it ended up being a night where I met Nate. And I think the interesting part about that is I don't love when people say like, oh, just stop looking for it and it will come to you as if like that's the only way to to find your person. But I do think in relation to what we were just talking about, like I will share that that was about a year and a half after I had broken up with my last partner. And that year was like all focused on myself. Like I was really into a like health and wellness routine. I had let it fall to the wayside, but like really got back into it. I started reading a lot of mindset books. Like it was just a year that I was really focused on myself. And I, yeah, like I'm sure I was, you know, going on dates and and definitely still like looking for someone subconsciously, but I really wasn't like putting all of my eggs into any like dating apps or baskets, I was just kind of like, well, like I'm, I'm focused on myself right now. And then I'm, you know, trusting that something will come when it's meant to. And I think the cool part about that was I didn't go into that night being like, oh, my friend's bringing a friend. Like I need to look him up and see what he looks like and like know all the stuff about him. It was just kind of like a coincidence that it was someone I really got along with. And funny enough, back to the attraction thing we talked about earlier, me and Nate are the same height. And like, when I first saw him, I was like, Oh, that guy's so cute, but he's like my height. And so I just kind of brushed it off. And like, not that that matters or anything. But I think I was just like, Oh, like, it's whatever, not a big deal. And then I thought we wouldn't do anything about anything. But then once we started hanging out, I obviously was like, well, it doesn't matter that much. Like his personality and like his general appearance is like very attractive to me. So it doesn't matter about the height, but it's just funny the ways that like our mind will try and resist something even when it's actually pretty good for us. So it is. It's so, yeah. And I think it's so much to do with just how society pinpoints these differentiators for us and says, oh, well, the woman should always be shorter. And the typical roles of in heterosexual relationships specifically, I think is just 
yeah, physical attributes. Oh, the guy is more muscular and masculine and, and all these things. But there's so many different types of guys. There's so many different types of women. Like it's, we're a melting pot and there's someone for everyone, you know? And it's just, yeah, we often try and find the picture perfect, what is shown in the tabloids and on TV and all those things. But it, yeah, I think it's a, it's a combination, uh, of course, of physical and emotional connection. Yeah, 100%. I agree with that. Yeah. And so kind of veering off with you and Nate specifically and the, this idea of the honeymoon phase and then shifting into a longer term relationship, you had recently posted about this idea of mourning the honeymoon phase, which I love that concept. So can you explain what this is and why it kind of feels like a mini breakup, which is what you had mentioned in the post as well that a client had said. Yeah. Yeah. When my client said this, I was like, oh, wow, that like really resonates with me and I'm sure it will with others. So I'm glad that it did for you too. So, you know, we've all kind of heard about the honeymoon phase, which is when you're like head over heels and like really just so happy to be with this person. And I just want to say that if you haven't had a honeymoon relation or a honeymoon like phase in your relationship, it doesn't mean that you're wrong or bad. Like, if you have had one, though, it does feel a little bit, you're kind of just, there's no problems, like everything's great and very carefree, almost and easy and effortless. And then I think, you know, not to necessarily put a downer or like a damper on what relationships are, but like over the course of a long term relationship, if you're waking up next someone on the same day, and if you are like, running errands together and you're just like having very mundane moments which is a big part of life you know nothing's perfect all the time we're all just like living our life and then you have someone that you're living with so there's just naturally going to be moments that aren't super exciting all the time but I think as that starts to sink in for people it can be really jarring especially if you're someone like myself who's a hopeless romantic and you see advice that's date someone who you always feel like you're in the honeymoon phase with and you're like oh my gosh wait so I'm not supposed to end the honeymoon phase like and chemically we don't realize that it's actually our hormones changing in the beginning of a relationship dopamine's firing like all of these new things are happening and you're just so excited and then as things change like your body's actually changing in the way that you respond to somebody so I think we do have to grieve what our fantasy version of a relationship is if we find ourselves feeling anxious or bored as we're settling into a long-term relationship because it's very normal to settle into a more comfortable phase and like to start being more friendly with one another instead of like always being passionate. Like it's okay to not necessarily have passion be like your number one priority as you move into different chapters of your relationship. And so I think it's due to a lot of these societal standards we have that like love should be perfect all the time that people fear moving out of the honeymoon phase. But I've found that Nate and I have grown more emotionally and like deeply connected and have like a strong foundation once we left that honeymoon phase, because we felt more comfortable with one another, we were able to like start being a little bit more like transparent and authentic because I think at the beginning of the honeymoon stage like you're trying to put your best foot forward and you don't want them to know for example that you have anxiety about your relationship you know like people aren't like throwing that out in the honeymoon phase I don't think and so I think as you move into these next chapters like knowing that there's always benefits even when it feels like there's some challenges as well Hmm. yeah and I think a big thing we often don't think about is that relationships take work it's not just always going to be butterflies and rainbows and sunshine it's 
constantly communicating and being vulnerable. Those are really hard things. It's a 24-7 job, quote unquote, just like it's a 24-7 job to work on ourselves and and you know nurture ourselves and and be healthy human beings so i think yeah it's super important to to remind ourselves of that but also not to see the end of a honeymoon phase as always like thinking ahead to the end of the honeymoon phase and and letting that thought catch up to us because i think it's super important to enjoy those however many months that last and i think honeymoon phases are really important I think it creates creating a really strong physical connection in the beginning of a relationship is super important. And obviously you're going to be sharing things and starting to open up. And that's another thing. The honeymoon phase is oftentimes when some conflict arises as well. You know, that's when like the red flags start to make their appearance or there's some something there might be the deal breaker It's something I always talk about that my mom always says, you know, it's around that three month mark, which is kind of when the honeymoon phase starts to fizzle out a little bit, that something might happen. And so it might feel really scary as well to realize that there's something you need to talk to the other person about for the first time that's bothering you and really communicating because it's like you can't be on your A game 24 seven. Everyone has moods and everyone ebbs and flows. And so... Yeah, just remembering that you need to express yourself fully if you really see a relationship with this person because why would you why would you want to hide any parts of yourself either? That's not what a relationship foundation is built on anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that you were just saying that kind of inspired me to just think of something new that I haven't really thought about before is like if you bring something up like during the honeymoon phase and like maybe it's towards the end of the honeymoon phase and you're starting to transition to more of that like foundational and like comfortable type of relationship where you can tell each other things and if that person like can't support you with some of your more you know challenging things like you share maybe for the first time that you do have anxiety that sometimes affects you like on a deeper level and you hadn't really talked much about that or you know, maybe you say my parents got divorced and sometimes I get scared thinking about marriage, whatever, you know, if someone can't be supporting you during those times and like, if you can't get past the honeymoon stage because this person's just looking for a constant honeymoon stage and they don't have the emotional capacity to like support you and the future of the relationship, then that's also like good to know because if someone's like chasing that constant honeymoon phase and trust me, me and my clients are some of these people too. But if you can't get past some of the realities of a relationship that like, it does involve some work and like, you do need to have vulnerable conversations, all these things, then you're not going to have a successful long-term relationship. And you're kind of living in this fantasy land that everything should be easy all the time. And so kind of sussing out like which type of people are looking to grow and like evolve in the relationship is important. And if someone can't cross the the bridge, so to speak, between the honeymoon phase and getting more committed, then maybe they're not ready for a relationship right now because it's not going to be butterflies and rainbows, as you said, all the time. And if they can't jump on board with some of the challenges, then, you know, you have to reflect on if that's important to you or not. Totally. I think it's super important to say something as soon as something bothers you. If something comes up, I think 
that's something I didn't always do when I was dating people. And it really bit me in the ass at the end of the day. I felt like I wasn't being my full self because I felt like I needed to be on my A-game all the time. I was in this fantasy that things were going to be easy and just simple, but now that I've been more confident expressing myself to people I've been dating, if things happen or come up pretty early on, you know, even a few dates in, if they say something that I don't appreciate or if they disrespected me in some way, I'll call them out for it. And I honestly think it shows if they are willing to apologize, they're willing to own up to what they did and see it from my perspective because when they don't and they're just like oh this this woman is she's just too frustrating to deal with and she's just too much no like you should never feel like you're too much if they think you're too much and you're asking for too much or if they said something that triggered something for you or did something that was triggering for you then they're not they're not a good person for you You should never diminish yourself to be quote-unquote perfect. Just be yourself and you'll attract people that will respect that about you. Yeah, totally. And I wish I knew that like when I used to date. I mean, luckily, I mean, everything is working out in the sense that like me and Nate have been together for five years. Like I think like I was authentic enough to the point where we really connected in that way. But I think I used to get stuck in that trap of what I said earlier of like, do they like me? Do they like me when I wasn't really asking, like, do I like them? And I think that would save a lot of people a lot of time when they're dating, because you don't want to just be putting on your, you know, best self only to find that this person isn't even a good match for you. And I don't believe there's a perfect match for you necessarily. But I believe you can kind of be vulnerable and direct with what you're looking for and what your expectations are, and then the right not the right, but the person that will fit well with you will respond well to that. Totally. And I think another thing is kind of on the flip side, sometimes we feel guilty to leave a relationship. We know that we shouldn't stay, but we feel bad. So what's your advice to people in that situation? Yeah, this one's tough. And a lot of people in my audience worry about this a lot. So I I use my words carefully when I say these, the answer to these type of questions, because I think that to actually know that you're in a relationship that isn't right and actually wanting to leave is very different from having anxious thoughts, like, should I stay or should I not because of your deep fears? And so like before, I would tell people, before you leave your relationship just based on feeling alone, which I'm not saying you can't do. Like if you really are not feeling something and you're just kind of like something's off and like, I really want to leave. I'm never going to tell someone to stay. Like I'm not here to say stay or go at all, but being on the flip side of someone who was really anxious and wondering if I needed to leave, but then realized like it was kind of my own fear trying to keep me from being in a relationship. I would just highly encourage people to spend some time from a more connected and grounded state, like when they're feeling clear headed, like spend some time reflecting, what are my life values? What is the lifestyle I want to live? What are boundaries that I have that someone needs to respect in my life? What are what is my definition of love and relationship? And how do I want to co create a relationship with the people in this relationship? Because if you haven't spent some time on that, then you may be leaving a situation just based on 
nothing. Like you're leaving based on kind of just your feelings and our feelings are not always the most reliable things. I don't want someone to ever doubt their feelings if they're, you know, going weeks or months, like thinking something, don't discredit that. But at the same time, if we're leaving situation that is questionable, like I I think that people should really understand like what the reason is behind it. But then on the flip side, if someone has said, this person's kind of breaking my boundaries. This person doesn't have the same values as me, or I've kind of brought up some things to this person and like, they're not really supporting me. And like, I don't feel good about the trajectory of where this is going. Like, then you have to be really honest with yourself. And Glennon Doyle has a great quote, disappoint as many people as you need to before you disappoint yourself. And that's what I would say to people here is if you've actually gotten clear on like, what is your why? for for leaving then make sure that you are not disappointing yourself and and speak your truth and and tell the person otherwise you're living your life for them and not for you but I'm not a fan of people who give the advice like yeah like even if something feels off just leave you know because sometimes things feel off for me in my job, but I'm not like shutting down my whole Instagram account and like throwing it out the window, you know, like you have to, you have to also like pull in a little bit of rational thought into the emotion sometimes and kind of just make sure that you're having a dialogue between my thinking brain and my feeling brain and and making sure that this feels aligned for you and, and not just kind of doing something on a whim. I don't know. That's, that's my two cents. There's some people that may not agree with that. Mm, I really like what you said about the connection between the thinking and the feeling brain. I think those that really resonates for me. I definitely have both of those parts of my brain going on 24-7. And something that I've started to implement as I start dating people or, you know, just doing this check-in every few months with yourself because we evolve and we change all the time. And so it's really important to reevaluate what you were saying, those boundaries, what your goals are in life what where you want your career to go and and your relationship what kind of relationship you want what kind of person are you looking for what are your red flags your non-negotiables all these things it could just be a bulleted list and things like that just take 10 15 minutes and and write about it i've done this with friends before it's super helpful it's a fun activity and it can really help you connect with what you most desire and If you then go out into the dating world or maybe you have started to date someone, kind of look at them from from a holistic standpoint and just think about them as a full human and then look at your list and say, okay, do these things really align? And if some of them don't, are they deal breakers or is it something you can work through? I think what you're saying, things might feel off. You might be exiting out of that honeymoon phase and you just don't feel that same connection anymore but is it that or is it something bigger totally and I think there's a lot of nuance and context that's like missing from anything there's way more than we could fit into one episode about like even just this one question but I think it also depends on like how far you're into the relationship it doesn't matter like someone who's been together 10 years could still say like my values have changed and I need to leave like just as much as someone who's been dating someone for 10 weeks but 
at the same time, if you've been together 10 years and like something feels off, like that may be a sign that like you're both evolving and changing and that you need to just like realign on like how you can best support each other because people grow and change. It doesn't mean you're always growing apart. It just means you may need to have a conversation. But if you're 10 weeks in and like something doesn't feel good and like this person's giving you some signs that maybe you're not into, like I think there's some nuance again about just like how long you've been in and like how how off you feel like is it truly like you just don't want to hurt this person's feelings and you're like only two dates in or is it like you're three years in and you're just starting to realize you have relationship doubts and maybe you need to spend some more time exploring and collecting information so I think yeah it does differ I would say depending on what situation you're in and that's the only problem with sometimes having these types of conversations or posting on Instagram is I remember in my anxious periods, I would like hear a podcast when someone would say like, just trust your gut or like, you'll know when they're the one. And, and then I was like, wait a second, I don't know if my partner's the one. So that must mean that everything they said, like, and my life is, you know, going against that. So that's wrong. And it's like really easy to take something literally that people say these days. So make sure to do your own like reflection and like ask, does this feel true for me? And like, what feels good about this that I could, you know, use and what do I may want to like throw out or like pick up another time and, and just save for later. Totally. And going off of that, because one of the things you do touch on a lot is how do you know they are quote unquote the one. And I don't know, I'm in the standpoint and belief that there are multiple, the ones I think, there isn't just one person for everyone. There are many different people. And yeah, I, I think there's a lot of dating advice out there that, I mean, there are so much, there's so much dating advice out there that's a red flag in itself, this idea of listening to your gut and knowing they're the one. But what would you tell your clients for this? Yeah, so I have a very different approach than what some people will say and that you don't know if someone's the one. Like, you know, my grandpa knew that his wife was the one when they were celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary. But like today in this moment, like you can have confidence in the trajectory of your relationship, but you don't know if someone's the one. And that's just the truth. Like we all have the exact same amount of knowing past this moment. And that is nothing. We only know what's happening right now. Like I know that I'm having this conversation with you. And then anything I have on the rest of my to-do list today even is still off the cards until it already happens. And so we think that just because someone's confident in their relationship, that that means they are going to last more than someone who's doubtful. And I would almost argue the opposite is also a possibility because if you're like blindly confident about your relationship working, you might not be putting in effort to grow together or to like keep consistent with some of the things that have been working really well you might just kind of take it for granted whereas the person who's a little bit more doubtful may put in that extra time and that isn't to say again like that someone who's confident can't last and someone who's doubtful will last it's just showing that there's multiple ways to think through this so for me I mentioned this a little bit earlier but like aligning on your values, you know, making sure this person has similar lifestyles as you, or if they have different ones, like, are you on board with that? And and you can have differences and be okay with it. Like, do they respect your boundaries? Does this person make you feel respected and appreciated? And like, if that foundation is there, and I know for you, like, you know, the physical attraction is a big piece. And for many people that is too, obviously it is for me. It's just like, I try to kind of not make it my number one, but I think like, if you have some of these fundamentals, then 
you can make this relationship work. It's just about, are you willing to go through the inevitable challenges that relationships bring up? And that is, I think, a bigger sign of if someone is the one is, are you ready to be the one that really brings the intentional effort into the relationship? That's so true. And I definitely feel like we often forget so much that relationships are about compromise and meeting someone in the middle. Are you willing to meet this person in the middle, whatever comes up. And I think constantly having that communication of just where you want your life to go. And if you want to, I mean, I think you're a great example because you moved out to Sweden with with Nate. And I feel like if that was something you were always thinking about, I don't know specifically in your relationship, but well, we had never thought about it. Like that was, that's like the whole thing is like, if I would have planned how my life would have looked with Nate, Sweden would have never been in the picture. And through the pandemic, he had an opportunity to get a promotion at his job, which was based here. And, you know, I used to have a nine to five job and now I'm like my own boss and like working with people on relationships. Like I used to work in marketing. And so it's like, it's, you know, I have always had a passion for relationships and then through my experience have now been able to help others. But like two years ago, I, you could have never told me what my life would look like. So when people get so focused on like, this is exactly how my life is going to go with this person, then you really lose some of like the element of surprise and like the magic that can come from your life. And, and so, you know, as scary as it is, like you have to kind of go into the relationship, not being a hundred percent sure of how your life is going to look. And like, you can't guarantee that this person will always treat you the exact same way. And that can be scary, but it can also be exciting because what if things get even better than you could have imagined in the first place? Mm, Yeah, I definitely, I love that idea of, because I think that's also a way to keep the honeymoon phase alive as well. This idea of spontaneity and just as hard as it is to go with the flow. And maybe I, I, I also feel like if you make that list of, okay, this is what I want in life. And then you end up changing that trajectory with your partner at the time, but you have FOMO for what your life could have been, maybe that's an indication that things are off. But if you feel like what is happening now and where you're at, like in your situation, that you're pleasantly surprised that Sweden has been such an amazing experience for you and you never thought it would be in the cards, but look what's happened in the past two years of your life and how amazing it is. And so it kind of just culminated in into, yeah, this is where I'm meant to be and this is where I belong. Totally. And one thing I've had a fear of for a while but have recently shifted my perspective on is divorce or like a relationship ending. And I think that's one of the biggest fears my clients have is like, what if this isn't the one for me, but we're putting so much pressure on the relationship to be perfect and like our partner to be perfect that we're almost like, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like if we're looking for the ways it's not perfect, then that ties into it maybe not working out. So I've tried to shift my fear around a relationship ending and Glennon Doyle and Abby Wambach talk about this. Well, I love their podcast and they were like, we should stop saying like, oh, I'm so sorry that you got a divorce. Some people like are so happy to be leaving a relationship that's no longer working for them. And no one just wakes up one day to decide to get a divorce. Like most people have tried their hardest to like make something work. And obviously I don't want to go and get a divorce. Like it's not something I'm like planning on, but I also think that being so afraid of it makes it seem so much bigger and more intimidating than it is. And yes, it wouldn't be fun, but I know I can handle whatever my life throws at me. And so 
part of the fear of failing in a relationship, I think, comes from like not trusting yourself to actually get through the hard, challenging times. And if you don't trust yourself to like pick yourself back up as if something doesn't go your way, then that's almost a bigger problem than being worried about the relationship ending. So that's just, yeah, food for thought there about a relationship ending. Cause I know it can be a really triggering thing for a lot of people. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. I mean, yeah, my dad went through a divorce before he met my mom and it was definitely not the right relationship. And he mentions that and is open about that. And if he was ever in that relationship, I never would have had my sister. So there are so many wonderful things that obviously came out of that situation. And also, if he'd never met her, he probably never would have met my mom. So everything happens for a reason. I truly believe that. And yeah, I mean, this has definitely been a conversation about that as well. And I've just so enjoyed reconnecting to you, Sarah. And thank you for all your insight. And this has just been really helpful for me as well, thinking about dating and relationships. And I hope to all the listeners too. So I just have a couple rapid fire questions and then you can tell everyone where they can find you. Awesome. So how do you get excited for a date? I get most excited when I'm feeling my best. I'll just be honest. Like when I'm dressed up and like when I've kind of just done my hair and makeup, like I really don't do it very often during the the week. And like even on the weekends, I feel like I'm very laid back about it. So when I'm like putting on my favorite music and like jumping around and like kind of getting ready, I feel, I think that's like my favorite way to get ready for date night. Love that. And what's your ideal date? I think similar to the way me and Nate met, we love going to concerts together. That's been one thing we were really, really missing over the last 18 months. And we've only been able to catch like one since the pandemic started. But yeah, something that I look forward to hopefully doing a lot more of next year is like going to live music, anything from just like a local pub artist down the street to like a big concert that's the most I think fun for both of us and we just are you know we share that interest so it's really nice that we can do that together and both enjoy it Mm, yeah that's so fun I love I love live music I'm so happy it's coming back awesome well where can everyone find you Sarah yeah they can find me over on my Instagram at you love and you learn and my website is the same. It's just www.youloveandyoulearn.com. And I'm coming out with my first digital course, which I'm really excited about. So people who are looking to understand more about why they're doubting their healthy relationship, or maybe they have a tendency to date and feel like they're doubting their healthy relationship, I think it will really help you get to kind of the root of why you're feeling this way. And then it'll give you practical tools for how to move through it. So that will be live the week of November 15th and really excited for that. So definitely get in touch with me for more information about that. If it's something you're looking to work through, because I know how scary and frustrating it can be to have these doubts and to feel like you're alone in it and not to know where to begin. So that's why I created this because I wish I had had this five years ago and now hoping I can help some people out with it. Mm, I love that. Yeah, I definitely think you're helping so many people. I mean, I love your content all the time and I'm just, it's so great and resonates a lot. So yeah, doing great work. Good. Well, thank you so much, Liana. This has been a lot of fun and yeah, I love, I just love having podcast conversations. I feel like it's a way to add a little bit more like context to some of the things that only an Instagram post with 2200 characters like can't really do. (laughs) Totally, totally. Yes. And definitely, yeah, everyone should hit Sarah up for coaching and 
yeah, just check out her page and everything. But yeah, this was great. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode or this podcast in general, I would greatly appreciate it if you could subscribe, rate, and review below. And if you can think of anyone who would enjoy this podcast, please consider sharing it. As a new podcast, the most helpful thing is to grow by word of mouth. After all, who doesn't enjoy a good date story? Lastly, if you would like to connect with me, please follow me on Instagram at ghosts underscore of dates past. And feel free to shoot me a DM if you have a comment, question, or would like to be a guest. I'm always looking for new people to bring on to the show. Hope you all have lovely weeks and I'll be back next week for another juicy episode. Bye for now.